My name is Dean, and welcome to Underdog Theology, a live YouTube show airing every Monday where we talk about theology, church, and culture. Now let's get into it. Welcome to Underdog Theology. Today is going to be fun. Are you guys ready? We're going we're gonna to have some fun with this thing. I know a lot of you are coming just for this. Some of you guys have been waiting. You've been waiting all weekend long. You've just been like, come on, Dean. Talk about it. Talk about it. Do the Shepherds Conference. Talk about it. Uh, we're going to talk about it. We got a lot, though. <sighs> There's been stuff going on. Some stuff that you probably don't even have on your radar at all. And I don't think anyone's really talking about it yet with Hillsong. Oh, my goodness. Stuff is going on with Hillsong Australia. All right, we'll talk about that in a while. But first, let's just go right into it because we got so much to cover today. Let's talk about what happened at good old Shepherds Conference. Oh, man, you guys you guys know. Uh, you just see that, that logo and you know things are going to happen. <laughs> well, the theme this year was the remnant. And after this Shepherds Conference, I'd probably say that is my description for the amount of respect I have for these guys. Uh, a remnant is left. <laughs> but there, there was so much that was said. I didn't watch all of it. Let me, let me say that first off. You know, I didn't watch every single session. I listened to about half of them. You know, watched maybe two or three of them, but listened to about half of them. We're going to be breaking down some of the things that they said. Probably the craziest thing, though, happened right off the bat, okay? Uh, as you guys are well aware of, John MacArthur is old, right? He's old. He's 83, I think. And, uh, you know, he had this surgery a couple months ago. And so people were like, is he even going to be there? And he said, I'm going to be there. There was like a, a proof of life video or a picture that they sent out like a couple weeks ago on Twitter uh, and saying like, so excited for you to come to Shepherd's Conference. Well, he wasn't able to speak on the Wednesday on the first day. And instead, they had Steve Lawson. This, this gentleman right over here. Uh, I grabbed this grainy footage from somewhere else. So don't blame me for how bad it looks. Um, but we're going to listen to a little clip that maybe you've seen. Maybe you've seen going around. Uh, it's, it's, it's about as bad as it sounds. And I think that 5% of John MacArthur is worth more than the whole evangelical world put together. What? And this is like, you know, people are like, John MacArthur is his mentor. Lay off of him. He just really loves John MacArthur. Uh, actually, if you ask Steve Lawson, his mentor was R.C. Sproul. And I think R.C. would say something about this. What's wrong with you people? What is up with this? This like five five percent of John MacArthur is better than all of evangelicalism. But together, what is that? That's like. The craziest form of what, uh, I always get his name wrong. It's not Jordan Peterson. It's Justin Peterson, Justin Peters. That's it. That's it. You guys know who I'm talking about when he said, you know, when you take in the size and scope of John MacArthur's ministry, it's, it's basically the best ministry since the apostles. He said that this is maybe even a little bit worse than that. 
<laughs> because you're saying that all of evangelicalism isn't worth 5% of John MacArthur. That's a huge L. <laughs> like, what a weird way. This is this is how the conference got started. Okay. Uh, what you're going to see as we kind of dive through a couple different things and look at a few clips is that this philosophy of, you know, just basically glorifying John MacArthur. I, I don't think that we can really get around that. I know some people, Aaron Coates, uh, put on her Instagram a picture of uh, her husband meeting uh, John MacArthur, maybe maybe for the first time, I don't know. Maybe they, they have been able to met, meet before, um, but they were, they were in the back room and uh, put something about how people online are just taking his words out of context, and he's just saying that he loves John MacArthur. I can say that about people. Like I can say I love somebody or I really respect this person without saying something as crazy as that, as, as saying that all of evangelicalism is worth 5%. That That's just nuts. There's no way like to make sense I of that. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. It's, it's just glorifying the guy. And I think that's what this Shepherds Conference was really all about. Because you have other things, guys. What about this? <laughs> who had this? Who who thought that this was going to be a thing? <laughs> what? What? All right, we got we got a Fresca can. Oh, I should have looked up the name. I know the artist. Uh, it's Peter something. Uh, I said it in a live stream I did last week about. Uh, but he he did the illustrations for the ESV Praying Bible, and he's, he does a ton of illustrations for Crossway overall. Um, but I, I know his art. That's his art there that they stuck on a Fresca can. I don't know if he did the, the artistry for all of it. The design of it uh, looks like something he would do, but it might have also just been someone who did it for him. Regardless, this is weird. <laughs> This is not normal. Now, there is a joke around the John MacArthur camp because Johnny Mac loves his fresca, and he's said that several times. Um, but you guys don't know. You Well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Uh, you don't know the money that, that it takes to do this kind of thing. Putting your face on anything, as I know, because I'm still working on the merch. It's coming. It's coming at some point, okay, guys? Uh, I'm gonna. We'll, we'll be talking. Big announcements coming at the end of the show. Um, but I, I understand how much it costs to put your face on stuff and to make custom things. And I can tell you this is expensive. Now, maybe it was a gift. Maybe someone gave it to him. Uh, maybe there's, like I, I said in the stream the other day, uh, maybe there's a local brewery <laughs> that just really loves John MacArthur, but something tells me that would not happen. I don't think anyone who goes to Grace Community Church owns their own brewery where they can have the machinery to do that. Maybe, I don't know, maybe they sell something else. Uh, but maybe it was a gift, but probably not. And if not, that's a ton of money sitting right there. That is a very expensive can of Fresca. <laughs> and, and they were giving this away. And there were so many people who were going to Twitter, who people who hate virtue signaling, like they, they hate that, that, that whole idea of virtue signaling, but they want to go on Twitter and signal their virtue and saying, we're one of the faithful remnant, uh, because we're here and, 
Uh, I think Tom Buck, not the YouTube Tom Buck, but like the dark timeline version of Tom Buck. Uh, he, he tweeted something about how he, uh, you know, all the MacArthur haters out there can, you know, chill and have a fresca. And like, that's what's going on right now. These lines, like these odd lines within the broader evangelical world. Like we're creating these rigid lines where they don't need to be. And I shouldn't say we, I'm not doing it. Other people are doing it. And they're saying, you got to love John MacArthur. And if you don't, you're not one of the faithful remnant. <laughs> like that's, that's essentially what this whole shepherd's conference was about. We are the remnant. You got to be on board with us. If you're not, you don't belong to the remnant. Uh, they, they were talking down about everybody guys. If you go and, uh, you, uh, look over here at the, let's go to the schedule. Like if you look at the schedule, Steve Lawson got up and I don't think he was expecting to preach this sermon. Um, but he preached from Romans nine and it was fine. Like other than that, that chaos, that was right off the bat and it was not good. Um, but the sermon was fine. Austin Duncan got up and he started preaching, uh, about one of the weirdest stories in the old Testament and, uh, started talking about how God uses messed up people. And, uh, but he did it in a very odd way. Go look up some clips. I didn't want to, we've got a lot to show, so I don't want to get too into the weeds, but if you just go through and you look at Everybody who was talking about, like James Coates gave a, a sermon about, guess what? Persecution. Like, I, I, I don't want to say like someone's being used, but seemed like he was being used to go and say, hey, we're going to be persecuted if we, we do the right thing and we're doing the right thing. So we're expect persecution just like I did. And that's my one thing that I'm going to be talking about whenever I get up on stage like the guy can preach. All right. Like I have disagreements about James with James Coates on things, but the guy can preach. And I was a little like, come on, we're really doing this to him. But it was basically different sections or um, different areas of where you could be viewed at as the minority and how you should feel comfortable. And a lot of that I think was purposeful of you as the pastor who went here. You know, there are thousands of pastors who attend this thing and they all run like crazy to get to the front pew. It's kind of ridiculous, to be honest. Like they, sh they should just do assigned seating and figure out something. But I mean, you can look at some of the videos. There, there are videos online of these pastors that are just like bolting, bolting as soon as those doors are open, running past people. And it's not like, well, I don't know if there's any grace there, you know, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if there's any like real love for for one another going on right there. Um, but they're, they're running like it's black Friday to get up there and to be as close to the stage as possible. Um, but they, for those guys, they just want them to feel comfortable with being the remnant, being the minority. And so they were, it, it was very much like trying to comfort people in different areas of how you're not going to have the majority view on these things. Now there is something to that as Christians, like you hold to the Bible, there are going to be things that you're going to believe that the world isn't, right? Like, that's obvious. Um, but when you're talking about within the Christian world, we should be agreeing on a lot, like a whole lot. 
we have a lot in common, but this conference was all about what we don't have in common and how there are lines that are being formed. And it was, it was militant. Uh, I, I would say it was very, I know, you know, get, start the drinking game. It was a very fundamentalist event where they were just separating from this group and that group saying that group is bad. That teacher is bad. Specific teachers are bad. And not just the obvious ones like Tim Keller, man, Tim Keller got like, they should pay Tim Keller for how much they talked about him. Like constantly the reference was either to Andy Stanley or to Tim Keller and then broader evangelicalism. Uh, and they just kept on throwing, throwing them under the bus, under the bus, under the bus. Now I've made videos about Andy Stanley. I don't, that, that guy, that guy's not on board. I don't think with us. All right. Uh, as far as the, the vast majority of Christians, he's kind of outside the camp right now. He's saying all kinds of stuff. So I'll set him aside for a second, but Tim Keller, like you don't have to like him, but you got to stop with this, these attacks that, that are happening on Tim Keller and his character and even things like, Oh, he wants to reach the city. <laughs> like, Oh, what a, what a dumb thing to do. He wants to reach the city where people live and need Jesus. And that's a bad thing. <laughs> like, like they're, they're just constantly going at him for his philosophy of church planting, uh, for his philosophy of just, uh, winsomeness they, they like anytime they said winsomeness, you can, you could like hear the eye roll. Uh, it was, it was just constant attacks on, on everyone else who doesn't fit within this small, small box of like the, the grace community church model. And so every one of these, uh, you could, you could look through everything was really pointed at trying to comfort the attenders to think like you're on the inside here. You don't need to be listening to those voices. You don't need to be paying attention to that. You're, you're right on that extreme view that you have. You're right. And you need to, you know, just keep on going and keep sticking with us. Everyone else, they're the unfaithful. And that's, that's something that I have a, a deep issue with right now is the constant like berate of being like, we're faithful. We're faithful. And John MacArthur, it's always said, you know, 50 now, like it, it, ever since he, it was like 50 years, it's just been faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. And so 54 years of faithful ministry. Well, I think it's pretty clear at this point, you know, whether you want to believe the, the evil corporation of the liberal Christianity today, you know, or, or that, that female preacher, you know, <laughs> like, like, uh, they just, they attack everyone who, who talks bad about them. Um, but, uh, and they kind of did in this, uh, but they, they don't want you to be listening to those things because it kind of shows that John MacArthur's ministry hasn't been as faithful as it says. Now, again, no one is perfect. I am not perfect. You are not perfect. Our churches are not perfect. Uh, we we make mistakes. N no one is saying that you can't make mistakes, but what you do about those mistakes really matters. And it makes a difference on whether you're going to be faithful or unfaithful. If you make mistakes, it's pointed out to you. You don't call them lies. You don't call them just accusations. You don't like force 
one of your elders off the board because he's confronting you on these things. That's not a faithful ministry. That is unfaithfulness. So yes, he can go into the pulpit. And for a large portion of my life, like I love listening to him preach. Like I've got, I say this all the time, I can see a whole shelf of MacArthur books right over there. I've listened to probably more MacArthur sermons than you, most likely. And I loved him. All right. He was, in my mind, a good preacher. But you can't just do preaching. There's more to ministry than just preaching. And then, you know, I've learned quite a bit. And so I've grown a little bit. And there are things in his preaching that I've come to learn. Not necessarily the right way to go. Uh, But here in in these uh, different sessions, it was all focused on that. And there was stuff, guys. Like, look at this. All right. Evangelism uh, through biblical counseling. Bill Shannon, does that name sound familiar to you? Like, if you're thinking, wow, I hope that, you know, maybe they're not saying anything, but maybe they learned from all of the all of the stuff that they went through and uh, Han Cho, what he pointed out to them and uh, what others have reported on. Maybe they learned from that. Nope. Uh, We got Bill Shannon in there. Uh, We got Counseling the Remnant from John Street. That was one of the sessions. These don't have videos attached, so we can't know what was said in those things, and that's probably uh, purposeful. Um, But bringing biblical truth to bear in a hostile culture. That's the subtitle of John Street's um, little session. And if you know John Street, he is the chair of biblical counseling at uh, Master's Seminary, and then he also is an elder at Grace Community Church, and he is also on the board for uh, ACBC, which is a uh, biblical counseling. It's, it's what Newthetic counselors mostly go to. It's the bigger organization in Newthetic counseling, uh, and he's on the board for that accreditation uh, committee. So like they, they, they didn't learn anything. They didn't learn anything from Christianity Today. Uh, They didn't learn anything uh, from any of the reporting that's gone on. They didn't learn from Han Cho. They they just put it all out there. And they're they're still going with the same guys. They're probably still saying the same things. And what they said publicly was pretty clear about this idea of where the remnant. So we're going to look at just a couple clips because I've got a lot of different things to talk about today. Uh, so let's let's look at our first clip over here. Any plea like and that. that is, you could already hear his voice coming through. You probably know who it is. It's our good buddy, Phil Johnson. <laughs> uh, he, he had some interesting things to say. All right. Let's let's listen to what he's going to say here. With any plea like that. Keller cannot possibly be oblivious to the fact that Scripture does explicitly say that we are at war against doctrines of demons. We don't demonize them. They are demonic. All right, so what what he's doing here is attacking Tim Keller once again uh, because Tim Keller wants to be winsome and try to win the culture uh, basically by living out the gospel and, um, you know, being friends with people. And apparently that's like a terrible thing. <laughs> so uh, you need to be more militant. You need to be more oppositional. And uh, so he's saying, 
you know, that they're, they're demonic. These people out there, they're demonic. They, they, they have these teachings. They are demonic. Not their teachings are demonic. They're demonic. And uh, that, that, that's just a constant thing that you've seen throughout this conference. Just constantly looking at the world and being like, these guys suck. They're awful. Look at everything. And a typical old man kind of theology of like, just everything comes back to homosexuality. That was one thing in the Q&A that was very clear with John MacArthur. He brought it up several times that that's, that's the root, he said. Of a lot of the, the uh, I'll try to get the quote right. I don't have it in here, but it was uh, the root of a lot of ilks we see today. So like that, like, all right, the Bible talks about that. I've talked about that before on my channel uh, with the Andy Stanley stuff. I've talked about that. But to say that everything goes back to that, no, it's not accurate. That's not accurate. But it's like that, oh, what's the blatant sin that's out there in the world? Let's just talk about how bad those people are. And it's like, these pastors are there. They already know that. They already believe that. So what's really going on here? Well, it's just like this rallying, this rallying together and getting people hyped up of like, yeah, yeah, they, they do suck. They are the worst. Yeah, yeah, let's get together. Yeah, we're all in this together. And then they go out and they continue being as loud as possible, as militant as possible, as oppositional as possible, and they're hurting people. They are. It seems that one of the main things large movement evangelicalism is engaged in today is a relentless campaign to try to adjust the truth of Scripture, including the gospel message, in order to tone it down or abridge it as much as possible. And so the strategists and style coaches of the broad evangelical movement try to integrate worldly wisdom wherever they think they can. They adopt high-sounding academic jargon. They embrace whatever happens to be intellectually stylish at the moment. And they believe that if they do this, our religion won't seem foolish to people who are steeped in this world system. That is not the, the approach Paul takes. So, again, like coming from a fundamentalist background, and when I say fundamentalist, I mean this, I mean this camp. Like, we were very much growing up. Like John MacArthur is the best. We're reformed, but we're also fundamentalists. <laughs> and like the King James only debate was happening in our camps. Like that, that stuff, that's this world. That's this world. And I didn't think it was this world growing up. I thought that like we were different. And then looking back, it's very much this world. That's, it is fundamentalism. But what they're, what they're trying to say is everyone else is compromising. Like everyone else but not us. We're not compromising. It's all of evangelicalism is compromising and they're compromising on the woke stuff and they're compromising like Andy Stanley and they're compromising like Tim Keller. Oh, Tim Keller. <laughs> they're always putting these people down, but they're not really talking about what they're for. It's always what they're against. And they're saying that everyone else is selling like selling their theology out and watering it down to try to be, you know, pleasant to the world. And his passage, he's talking about, you know, the, uh, the, the wisdom of God is foolishness to the world and vice versa. Uh, so he, he was trying to make that point. This is not how you make that point. Now there, there are people who are out there in evangelicalism who are 
trying to just be like, hey, what is the most basic thing you need about the gospel? And they trade all their theology for a couple more people in the, uh, in the seats and not even winning them over as far as them understanding the gospel and living that out faithfully. Like they're, they just want more people. That's out there. But is that the vast majority of evangelicalism? No, but these guys wouldn't know it because they're so stuck in their bubble that they don't, like, I don't even understand these people at this point. Like some of the phrasing that they use, it doesn't make sense. But then, and the way they talk about people, it's like, you don't know these people. You don't, you haven't talked to this person in years. Like you, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know how they are. You don't know what the average common man is actually going through. Now, maybe Phil Johnson does, but I'm talking about people like John MacArthur. Like he doesn't know he's, he's in his house and you know, he's healing up and we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but you know, he's, he's in this bubble with all these elders and you know, the only people that know him are people like Phil Johnson are those elders. And they, they, where are the elders who have been with him other than Phil? Where are the elders who have been with him since the beginning? Now people move on and everything, but do you guys remember the story that John MacArthur, like not a lot is known about it, but the story that John MacArthur gave about how there was like, I don't probably shouldn't use that a mutiny. That's the word I'll use <laughs> with how there, how there was like a mutiny uh, at his church early on. You remember that? I would like to know the facts of that. Like I always just assumed it was because he was doing things right because that's where I was raised, right? Like I was in this camp. So I, I'm thinking that, you know, of course John MacArthur did the right thing and all those guys, they were the ones who were in the wrong. I want to know the facts of that now. I would like to know if there, if there are people like some people reach out to me and tell me things and like to tell me that they're part of this or they're part of that. If you know something about that, let me know, hit me up on Instagram. <laughs> like I want to know what was going on there because now we have all these young guys who just love him and they've been there for years and they just adore everything he does. They laugh at the same jokes that he gives every single time. And I don't think that you could really get accountability from people like that. I think there's yes men all around him. Um, and even though Phil's been there for years, he, he's always been, you know, obviously a big fan uh, of John MacArthur. That's how he even got his position. Uh, let's made me in. Yeah. Let's, let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that was happening around it. And then, <laughs> there's there's stuff about Asbury like there there's just a lot to go through uh, but let's let's talk a little bit about the the health of John MacArthur like I know a lot of people have talked all kinds of crap about John MacArthur and his health uh, there were people who were making fun of his appearance you know because he's wearing a hat and how dare he wear a hat in the sanctuary well come on like if if I had a huge bruise on my head and I still wanted to be up there and I still wanted to be a part of everything that was going on. I would probably wear a hat too. Now I wear hats all the time. No, I don't, I don't care. Like I love hats. Uh, I've got dozens of hats. I will wear them till I die. I will be in a casket wearing a hat. Um, but, uh, he's, he's wearing, wearing the ball cap as they say. And he gives a little bit of information about his injury languish in the hospital for 10 days and you have to recover from that um yeah whoa <laughs> okay uh did you hear that 
Did you hear that? All right, I have tried my best to give Grace Community Church and the, the weird messaging that they've put out about their pastor with an injury. He's old. Of course, he's going to have health issues as he gets older. That's obvious. But I've given them the benefit of the doubt about how odd they've been about getting that information. Remember, oh, he's just not feeling well. It's been a busy season, so he's resting the next week. Yeah, it's just been a really busy season. He's resting. Oh, and he had major surgery, but he's at home and he's resting. 10 days in the hospital? 10 days in the hospital. What John MacArthur has been through over the last couple months has obviously been substantial. Like, this is the, like, we're not, we're not in Canada where there's free healthcare. They kick you out in the U.S. <laughs> like, like they, they get you out. They don't want you there. Ten days in the hospital means that he was going through incredible health crisis. Now, I had people reach out to me and they're like, he's in the hospital. I know it. I know it. And like, I couldn't verify any of that. So I didn't talk about it. But here John MacArthur gets on stage and he says something very contrary to all the messaging that Grace Community Church has said. And this isn't me being like, oh, you know, like, oh, it's about his health. This is about lying, lying about your pastor who's very public and just saying, oh, it's a busy season. And, oh, he had surgery, but he's at home. Yeah. After 10 days in the hospital, do the people in the church know? Like, I don't, it doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter for me other than the lying. I think that matters. Um, but it doesn't matter for me what his health situation is. I don't need to know that stuff. But what about the people in the church? I had someone reach out to me and said that they they were one of the, uh, the people helping at, at the church uh, and getting everything ready for Shepherd's Conference. And they said that they, they had no idea that John MacArthur wasn't going to be there. And they had no idea about him falling down and breaking his wrist. They had no idea about that. What Did they know about the 10-day hospital stay? This is weird stuff. You don't do this. Like, the churches don't do this with your leaders. This weird, like, I don't know, it's, it's like Moses with it, like, when his face was shining and uh, the shine started to fade and so they cover his face and, like, don't, you don't need to do that. Don't do that. He's 83 years old. If he's in the hospital, let people know so they could pray for him. Not just with vague, oh, he's resting. He's resting. 10 days in the hospital, he's resting. That's super weird. And the messaging that they put out, I think, constitutes lying. I, 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 I think so. I might be wrong, but I, that's my opinion. I think that they lied about the health of their pastor. Uh, so that was weird. So in, I've never been this age before. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. Um, but yeah, I, I, feel, I feel great. Every day I, I get a little stronger, a little yeah. better. Um, a few months from now, probably back to yeah. normal or even better than normal. Yeah. In fact, when I went in for the procedure, the surgeon said to me, were you bedridden at home before? That's how bad he was. Now, I know MacArthur is trying to spin it into, I have such a great heart. You know, the doctor kept on saying, you have a strong heart. Uh, but he, they asked him if he was bedridden. Does that sound like resting to you? Does that sound like having a busy season to you? 
Like that, that's just so bizarre. And it's nothing on MacArthur for being old. And I don't know, maybe he's the one who was like, this is what I want put out there. I don't want people to know about this or whatever, which is weird. But whoever was in charge of that decision, that was jacked up. And if I was in that church and I didn't know my pastor was in the hospital for 10 days and they were being secretive about it for some strange reason, I don't know, trying to show some kind of sign of strength, weirdly, to the world, I don't know, I would be irate. Um, but, you know, for us, it doesn't really matter so much. Let's skip ahead just a little bit. Um, the Lord was kind. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't want to overstay my welcome, but um, I'm happy to still be here. Uh, we are we are more than happy that you're still with us and yeah. yeah I'm happy too. I'm happy that he's alive. That's good. That's good that he's alive. More time for him to look over his past ministry and maybe make things right. I think that's good. Uh, and more time to preach the gospel. That's good. Like I'm I'm glad that he is well. Um, also, uh, I see there are tons of people who are watching right now. Uh, so if you guys want hit the like button, you know, hit the like button. That might, that might, uh, you know, send this out to more people and I would definitely appreciate it. Let's keep watching. And since I've never been this age before and don't know how to handle it, uh, I had a run in with an immovable object (laughs) and uh, I try to take it on with my, my arm and my head. Yeah. And um, I was unsuccessful. Yeah. So there's a fracture in one of the small bones in the wrist, yeah. uh, which put me into a very difficult situation because I can't turn the pages of a Bible. Right. So um, along with a lot of other things I can't <laughs> do. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out what the future looks like. But yeah. I want to speak tomorrow night okay. uh, because I've got a lot on my heart. So there... So MacArthur had a fall like, uh, like he's putting it in again, odd wording. So maybe, maybe it was him that put it out. I don't want people knowing about this or whatever. I get enough flack on different things, whatever. Um, I think it's a bad move, but whoever made that decision, yeah. um, actually, uh, you know, that's completely accurate. John R does hitting like make me woke Dean. Absolutely. It does make you woke. We're the wokest channel around. Didn't you know? Um, <laughs> But, uh, it's, it's just weird the way he's wording things and he fell and people are applauding that he's back. Like he fell a couple days ago and there's a huge bruise on his head. Uh, and he goes and he preaches the next day and you know, I, he's an adult. He made a decision. He wanted to come. He wanted to be here. He wanted to preach, but I do think there's something to this, like, oh, what a what a lion. You know, MacArthur is a lion. I've seen that going around. You know, he's he's a lion-hearted man, you know, has all these injuries. And uh, uh, Austin Duncan said something about how uh, it's supposed to be a six-month recovery, and he was back after six weeks or something like that. I don't know if that's something to celebrate. <laughs> like, that's, that's that seems dangerous. I don't think we should be doing that. Now, obviously he's an adult and he can make his own decisions. Um, but I don't think as like viewers and like people just watching his ministry that we should be like encouraging 
that, um, or, you know, obviously I'm not going to, but people who do like him, you guys probably shouldn't be encouraging that kind of stuff. But again, it's just weird messaging. It's, it's a lot of secrecy, even about stuff that's pretty obvious. Like, uh, even the wearing the baseball cap, I think was a decision to try to hide things. And, you know, I kind of understand it, but yeah, it's, it's getting to a point where it's just like, okay, well, he's 83. Like, what are we really expecting? And I think that a lot of people are watching this conference and they're thinking this is like his, his last one, maybe, you know, he's, he's getting older and I don't wish it for him. Uh, but I think that, you know, it's probably one of his last Shepherds conferences as far as speaking goes. Maybe he's around for another 10 years and, you know, he's he's going to be sitting there watching. Cool. Uh, but a lot of these people are taking that of like, all right, it's his last one. And they're just glorifying him and saying like, oh, he he's the best on all these different things. He's fantastic. He's he's basically you know, people make fun of people who go like he's the evangelical Pope, but I don't know how you can't say that after all the stuff that's been going on this weekend in a certain segment of Christianity. Right. Uh, but he did have some more to say that I want to show you in this Q and A. Right. And there's a lot of talk about revival. This is, this is not the first, uh, kind of revival or, or claim revival that has been in the news lately that you've seen in your life and ministry. You were you were present for the Jesus. As if there weren't enough Asbury takes. <laughs> Here comes another one. This movement in Southern California. Uh, there's been other times in your ministry and history where even at this church, you've seen tremendous growth. So a lot of people are talking about revival right now. Uh, what have you been thinking as, as that's been in the news as of late? Well, I think, I think they throw the word around without understanding it. Of course um, they do. Look, that, whatever is going on there, can have multiple impacts. Yeah. It's conceivable, of course, that some, some of the kids at Asbury or some other school um, confess their sin, right. uh, express love for Christ, uh, have a fresh desire to read his word, serve him but the thing that is troublesome is when you blanket it all with the word revival it's 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 everything it's everything from people trying to cast out demons from lgbtq the alphabet people as vody calls them it's everything from them leading the worship and leading the music it's it's Arminianism. That school has had eight revivals like this over the years, and it keeps happening there because it's part of their culture. This Whoa. So he started off with, okay, typical answer, right? You know, from, from this side, and honestly, not very different from my perspective. I'm going to give a lot more leeway and try to be like, well, you know, if good things are happening, sure. Uh, but like, it was okay for a minute. <laughs> like, okay, typical response from this kind of a person. Uh, and then just, nope, it's just, it's all about, you know, all this other stuff. And this makes it so it's not a revival. Um, I think MacArthur watches a lot of YouTube. Johnny Mac, if you ever watch this, hi, 
<laughs> but like this, the, the, the wording that he gives for things and the way that they were talking about how he was watching things, um, Guys, I think John MacArthur's watched some of my videos. I'm going to say it. I know that sounds super weird and like convoluted of just like, oh, you're so prideful, Dean. But there was, there was something I don't have in here of where Johnny Mac was talking with Duncan about that podcast about who's the next J-Mac, right? And how I was like, I'm that guy, the, the some guy on YouTube. I think there was a moment where he was about to talk about that. <laughs> like when in that interview, I, I know it sounds super prideful, but I think John MacArthur watched my video, my response about that. And I think he watches a lot more than you would think of someone who is like probably this busy, you know, it's, it's a big organization at Grace Community Church, but the wording that he gives for, for how he thinks it's not a revival that's straight out of a bunch of different YouTube videos. And so like, I know like those ideas are out there, but the wording he gives, like, I think that he watches a lot of stuff and he's just, that's where he gets his information. And so he was just basically parroting that, but I don't think that, you know, basically just, okay, well, there might be some wrong things that's happening on the outskirts of this event negates the whole thing, but I've talked about that before, but what he's about to say is also interesting. You know, he's like, okay, Asbury could be real. It's uh, hypothetically, it could be, right, is what he's saying. But there's also these issues. But then listen. And by the way, it wasn't spontaneous. It was designed to fit with a special day. Uh, February 23rd, I think, was the sort of historic day. But there may have been some kids who, in the middle of all of that, understood the gospel and were converted. But it was, it was a panoply of everything, and to, to cover it all with the word revival, which carries the weight of believing this is a massive work of God, only time would tell that. That's the constant that's, refrain from the, those guys. Nobody's better on revival than, than the prophets, and then in history, it's Jonathan Edwards it's all about the distinguishing marks, isn't it, of, of true revival and false revival. And, and that's what you're talking about with the remnant and ministering to the remnant. And that's been such a theme of your ministry with this idea of wheat and tares, of the, na the need of assessing a genuine work of God on the basis of God's word, not just on emotion or uh, even apparent success. Right. Yeah, look. That's something, too, that these guys just don't get. The wheat and the tares is about the people among you. And like he talks about the need of assessing, like based off of God's word, what are the wheats and like, what's the wheat, what's the tares? That's what God's going to do. That's what God's going to do in the end. The idea there that Jesus is communicating is that there are going to be people who truly believe and there are going to be people who don't, but they look like they do and they're going to be in the midst. And like that, it's not like, let's go find those tears and rip them out. <laughs> you know, like uh, I hear that all the time from people like this. And it's like, no, it's like in your church at Grace Community Church, there are people who believe the gospel and there are people who don't like just especially in a large church like that. That's just statistically the way it's going to be. 
And we have that in each one of our churches. There are people that come to a church that don't believe the gospel. And so they're going to be wheat, you know, people who believe, and they're going to be tares, people who don't, and they're going to be in the same midst. Like that's, that's the thing. So I don't know why it's always like, let's go find them and rip them out. For, for most of those kids, I'm afraid it wasn't about Christ. It was about the chords. Alliteration. It was about singing the same words for 20 minutes in a row in some mesmerizing kind of pseudo-spiritual experience that had no... Pseudo means false. <laughs> so, so it started with Asbury could be genuine, but like I think that's the political response, and then it came to his real opinion, which is also like, why do people do this? Like, just say your opinion. <laughs> Like obviously, you're surrounded by people who love you and they pay a buttload of money to come and and be at this conference and to listen to you speak. I think they're going to support you no matter what you say. Um, but like this weird of like, oh, it, it could be, but here's the, what I really think. And it's, it's contrary to what he says it could be. Um, but this mesmerizing thing of 20 minutes during song, I don't know if that's accurate of the length of time in a song. But also look at the Psalms, guys. Like enough of this. Oh, it has it has the same words over and over ago, uh, over and over again. Well, so did David. So I don't know what your point is. Relationship to sound doctrine, to the depth of the gospel. I would like to know if that same revival would have occurred without the music. Shut the music down and let's find out what God is really doing. Mm. But, you know, the, one of the reasons that um, we'll talk that kind it. of music dominates, that Hillsong kind of music and Elevation kind of music is psychologically it takes people uh, to, to kind of level of hypnosis. It, um, it has the power to um, loosen their resistance, and you could almost suggest anything. Uh, if you look at Christian what? hymns, classic Christian hymns, they, they have a 4-4 four, four beat. They have a 6-4 beat. They have oh, a man. rhythm that is um, firm. Y'all thinking that he's not a fundy? That's, that's the kind of militancy. We're talking about a mighty fortress is our God. That's not mood music. So the fundy has so to talk I think, about I think you can how much beat is in a song. You know, I'm not a musician. Like I, I I played bass a little bit in high school, but like I'm not a musician, so I don't know. But like you can get just as mesmerized uh singing, you know, Martin Luther's um A Mighty Fortress is our God. Uh or you could you know, do the same thing, listening to something from, I don't know. I don't like Bethel. I don't really like Hillsong. We'll talk about Hillsong in a sec. Uh, but, you know, someone who's who's newer. Um, <laughs> but, like, the, the idea of, okay, take away the music and let's really see. Wait, so take away the thing that people are saying God is really using to move people and see if it's real? Like, what? Oh, because they're not preaching enough. 
So even though there's the word in the song, uh, even though they're singing, holy, 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 you want to talk about like, oh no, you can't say the words over and over and over again. Well, tell that to the cherubim and seraphim. <laughs> they're, they're saying holy, holy, holy all the time. <laughs> like that, But this is what fundamentalists do. It's just always your worship isn't good enough. It's not my worship. So it's not good enough. Your music isn't good enough, which negates everything you do. And it's always like like the these differences that aren't that different. Like actually, like uh, Michael brought up a good point. Um, uh, the music wasn't really that impressive, though, right? Like if you watch that, like the, it's just kids getting up there. And like some of the songs sounded awful. Like Heather and I, when we, we you know, streamed a little bit and, you know, seeing what's going on, uh, I think it, I think it was her. She She was just like, this sounds pretty bad. <laughs> like this, this doesn't sound good. So like the music wasn't like the most important thing. I, w- I would argue against that. But even if it was like God was using that music, I think. And God does u- use music. Spurgeon sang acapella with his church. And th- that was a huge part of his ministry. Uh, D.L. Moody had Ira Sankey. Right. Like you, you can go through a list of these revival moments. Jonathan Edwards, they sang at his church, guys. It wasn't just he preached all the time. They sang, too. Like music is a huge part of worship. So why take it away? But he's saying that the worship, the, the music is enough to to really say that everything else was wrong. And that's what fundamentalists do. They take their differences and they weaponize them against you. And that's that's what's happening here. So there was just a lot of that, all kinds of stuff just like that, where it's just everyone is wrong. Everyone is the worst. We're the remnant. And I want to talk about that just for a second. The idea of a bunch of fundamentalists applying the remnant motif to the church when the New Testament doesn't is crazy to me. (laughs) Like, like I, I think that it's it could be applied to the church. I think that it could, but also like these are guys that are like, Israel is not the church and the church is different from Israel. They're dispensationalists. They're classic dispensationalists. So they have this huge distinction and you can't apply like the things about Israel to the church today. They're completely distinct. It is crazy to me that they're breaking their hermeneutic uh, to apply all the stuff about the remnant in the Old Testament, talking about Israel, uh, to the church when they don't do anything else with with Israel and the church. Like, not even Ezekiel 36 of giving a new heart. That's about Israel, they'll say. Like, the, all this stuff uh, in the Old Testament, that's about Israel. That's not about the church. But then they want to take the remnant because of an obscure passage in Revelation that has a little bit to do with like the idea of belief and there being a remnant. But it's not about the church, uh, because according to them, the church is already raptured. It's just, it's just so weird to me <laughs> that they'll break their hermeneutic because we're, we want to be the minority. And we, we, want to, we want us to be like the people with the truth. We have the truth. No one else has the truth. Broader evangelicalism is you know going downhill. They're all woke. Tim Keller... You know, all those guys, as if Tim Keller represents all of evangelicalism. Come on. 
but but they're all in the wrong. We're in the right. We are the remnant. It's not accurate. It's not accurate. So that was the vast majority of the Shepherds Conference. I mean, we could get into the weeds about different stuff going on there, but it was mostly lifting up John MacArthur as their leader, saying that we are the ones who have the truth and we need to be more and more blunt and oppositional toward the secular world with that truth. Not there, not a lot of talk about love, not a lot of talk about grace, a lot of talk about truth. And, uh, I think there's an imbalance going on there. Also a lot of talk about being faithful, a lot of talk about confronting sin, which is still just so ironic (laughs) with, with everything that's going on. And they didn't talk about anything uh, with Julie Roy's and and Kate Shellnut with Christianity Today and uh, Han Cho, they didn't talk about any of the that kind of stuff. Although maybe they did in uh, little sessions like this that will never see the light of day. But uh, talking about the counseling, the remnant, John Street, I want to know what was said there, <laughs> but I probably will never. Uh, let's let's talk. You know, we like I said, we got a lot going on today. Uh, might be a little bit longer of a show, uh, but I got some announcements coming in the end. But I also want to talk about um, about Hillsong uh, because there's some weird stuff going on with Hillsong. Okay, uh, let's let's go over here. All right, so Hillsong under investigation by charities and regulator uh, charities regulator over explosive allegations aired in Parliament. You may not have heard of this, okay? Uh, but there were documents that were released to the public, or at least semi-public. Um, uh, it says documents tabled by uh, MP Andrew Wilkie claim to show church used job keeper funds to help purchase Melbourne's Festival Hall and a ton of other stuff. So essentially what happened was someone gave thousands of financial documents uh, claiming to be a whistleblower for the church. They gave these documents to MP Andrew Wilkie, and he tabled them in Parliament, which is basically like the whistleblower laws of just being able to say, hey, this happened. There's there's corrupt uh, institutions. There's... Um, there's there's some violations of different crimes and of the criminal code, and we need to do something about that without having to deal with getting sued. And it's parliament uh, privilege. Uh, I don't know everything about the way Australia is set up with their government, but to me, it's just like the whistleblower stuff. And they decided uh, to table that, which means to make it public. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, oh man, John Hayes. I haven't seen you in a while, man. Who's the guy with the short beard? What did you do with Theo? That's hilarious. Uh, there's, there was a little bit of a trim. Uh, but yeah, so this, this, uh, this is huge. So uh, let's, let's hear a little bit of uh, some of the reporting that's going on with this thing. Standing next to the two stack of documents in Parliament yesterday that we assume are the financial records and documents that he was referencing, he's also alleged that nearly $150,000 of church money were used to purchase a luxury retreat in Cancun, Mexico for a few members of the church, up to four members uh, in 2021. 
The Tasmanian MP also said that high-profile members of the church were pre treating private jets like Ubers. Those were his direct quotes. And he's also suggested that the megachurch itself earns $80 million more in Australian annual income than it reports publicly. Now, Mr Wilkie said mm. that these documents clearly show that uh, possibly the church has been misappropriately using funds that not only break Australian law, but also laws around the world. Here's a little of what he has to say yesterday. Hillsong followers believe Get ready that for the it. money they put it's in the drop poor, a poor box, goes to the poor. But these documents show how that money is actually used to do the kind of shopping that would embarrass a Kardashian. Oh, shots fired. What a line, man. He He's a politician. Uh, I like this Andrew Wilkie guy. Uh, but basically, uh, Hillsong, Australia, is in dire straits. Uh, they're they already going off like they have a bunch of legal stuff going on with Brian Houston, uh, suing and all kinds of stuff. Um, I'm sure giving is way down uh, because of Houston leaving or being fired. Uh, and obviously everything going on with Carl Lentz, like all of that stuff, there's so much financially going wrong with Hillsong. And now to have this where Andrew Wilkie got a hold of these documents and there's all kinds of stuff in here about, uh, paying thousands of dollars to upgrade Brian Houston's, um, uh, hotel stay allegedly I'll say allegedly over everything. Although it's Australia, they can't get me right. Uh, but but uh, paying thousands of dollars for his hotel stay and upgrades uh, when he got back from the U.S. during quarantine stuff. Uh, there's all kinds of trips, like you said, using private jets as just basically Ubers to go wherever they want. And there were, uh, you know, most of it is focused on Houston and everything he did uh, and things that they bought. Like, come on. <laughs> Like a retreat in Cancun? Are you serious? Like that's where the NBA players go after the season's done and they didn't make the playoffs. Like, but you know, a pastor needs to rest, I guess. Um, but like all of that kind of stuff. And then like not paying taxes, uh, not being honest about that. There's all kinds of, uh, of stuff in these documents. Now, not all the documents have been made public. They will be made public soon. That's part of the whole thing about tabling is to make it all public. So, but there's thousands of documents. So I think that there's probably going to be a process with that. So let's, let's hear a little bit from, uh, the new pastor, uh, of Hillsong globe, the new global pastor, sorry, global pastor, uh, Phil Dooley on what he has to say <laughs> about how all this went down. This was him uh, at church. I'm deeply disappointed that Mr. Wil Wilkie would choose to use parliamentary privilege so that he does not have to be held accountable for whatever he tabled. Just going at parliamentary privilege is literally a privilege conferred by the Constitution that has on many occasions been exercised responsibly and resulted in iniquities being addressed without the interference of defamation laws. Uh -huh. It's particularly un-Australian to exercise it in this way, particularly when there was no obstacle to Mr. Wilkie contacting the church <laughs> for an explanation. 
Clearly, he doesn't appear to be interested in the answer. I can't help it. And it kind of feels like being king hit from behind. I had to look that up. That's being like knocked out. King hit is being knocked out apparently in Australia. Oh my goodness. I couldn't even, I can't hold back, man. The, the like irony is dead, man. <laughs> like it's <laughs> All right. So a church that is historically known for being super secretive about everything who obviously has a lot of financial stuff going on and Phil's mad uh, because they, they decided to table it in parliament instead of you could have just contacted the church as if they would have been honest. <laughs> like what? Like this church is being like, there's all kinds of misconduct, uh, both morally like just straight up morals, like with everything with Houston and uh, his dad and all that kind of stuff. And then financially now, like we see all this kind of misconduct that's getting pushed out. And they're like, well, you could have just told us, you could have just asked us and we would have been honest with you. Come on. (laughs) You like, he's, he's really upset about that. Like, why didn't you talk to us? Like, cause you guys have done all kinds of things to cover up all your actions, maybe. <laughs> like, but he's he went up to you know, up to the the table, I guess, not pulpit. They did have a pulpit because they had a chairman come out and uh, read off a statement, basically attacking this MP for doing the right thing and and tabling documents about how the church has misused funds, and as the MP said himself. Uh, about how people think that they're giving to, you know, feed the poor and do different things that the church is involved in, do gospel ministry, but really they're giving their money to do these kinds of things, which a lot of us just knew, right? Like we, we get that a lot of celebrity pastors probably do the same kind of thing. It's not just Hillsong. Okay. But like these big, big, big mega churches, we understand that. Uh, but now to have that out in the open, and then to be upset that they didn't call you and, you know, get your side of the story before they release the documents, before they release the documents filled with all kinds of misconduct. <laughs> but what he's doing there is he's gaslighting his people. He's saying they should have talked to us. They should have done the right thing. They, they are the ones who are in the wrong. Andrew Wilkie, this MP, he's the one who's in the wrong. He should have talked to us first about our plethora of misconducts. (laughs) Some people were clapping. A lot of people actually were clapping. So a lot of people there, they like, if, if you're a part of Hillsong, it's time to leave. Like just generally like this, this whole organization is so corrupt and it's going to fall. Like it's, it's going to be, you know, one of those house card moments where everything just collapses. That is on the horizon for this huge church. Will the music continue? I don't know. But as a church, that's what's going on. So I just thought it was super interesting. Let me know what you think down in the comment section about uh, everything going on with Hillsong. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there are going to be more developments <laughs> on this thing. Uh, but let's let's go over and uh, we're just going to do the penalty box today, I think. You want to see a penalty? I'll show you a real penalty. All right. So if you're new to the channel, Hey, think about subscribing. Uh, also the penalty box is where I do my therapy for the week and, uh, just kind of address 
some of the comments that I just didn't like or some that I found funny or uh, just show you craziness that I get sometimes. <laughs> but let's see what's what's in the penalty box today. Two-minute minor trip, and there's a call. Oh, this one is one I get all the time on this short and other videos, uh, and I thought it would be appropriate to deal with it since, you know, talking about uh, everything going on at Shepherd's Conference. My biggest issue with John MacArthur, and basically I'm talking about the letter that he wrote, this little girl telling her just to forgive her daddy instead of dealing with consequences um, and, uh, you know, just telling her get over it basically. Uh, but Kyla decided to, uh, comment this abuse is using God's word to suit yourself. Forgiveness is in the word. It's God's instructions. No surprises how man again tries to use his own understanding. Stop leading people down the wrong path. Um, so apparently I'm leading people down the wrong path by saying it's inappropriate for a pastor to write a letter to a little girl who was abused, telling her just to forgive her daddy while he doesn't do anything to you know, deal with it with the authorities. There are lots of people like this. Into the penalty box. Let's see. Two minutes for oh. slashing and two minutes for roughing. I put this in the other day. <laughs> and, and so it's kind of a surprise for me too of what's in here. <laughs> but uh, This was a comment that I briefly got uh, for I think probably about an hour and then she deleted it. Um, this is This is my one time. I'm going to say, hey, hate watchers of, of people who make YouTube videos and you don't like me, but you watch all my videos and you're kind of obsessed. And every once in a while you let your guard down a little bit and maybe comment or hop into the chat and or talk about me in, in a video or or, you know, say something like just stop. Leave me alone. <laughs> But I got this comment uh, from Berean Babes, and she has a YouTube channel, which is about Christianity, to be clear. You know, I know. Uh, uh, live at Shepherd's Conference. So this was me talking during the Shepherd's Conference. And she put, as a Christian, why do you rejoice in someone else's sickness? What fruit of the Spirit is that? Have prayed for J-Mac? Um, so she she lied. She lied about what I, what I said. I don't usually do this about throwing shade at other YouTubers, um, but I'm not going on finding, you know, what they're talking about. This is them coming and commenting on my channel. Um, I didn't rejoice. I didn't rejoice. Uh, so this, I don't know if she even watched the video, um, but I didn't rejoice in John MacArthur's, uh, sickness. Um, so it's, it's just a lie. And I don't know if she just went around commenting that on everyone who's opposed to John MacArthur. Um, but you know, she decided to do that probably, you know, some other people that are prominent people who talk about John MacArthur as well. Um, but I'm just done with that kind of stuff. So if you, if you are one of these kinds of people, uh, who are the, you're, you're in this camp, there's a whole segment of Christian YouTube that is very like, everything woke is the worst. And so like everything that I don't like is woke. Like just stop watching my videos. You could just stop. You don't have to. And you can have your, your side of the internets and I could have my side and we don't have to talk. <laughs> so There's don't come whistle. into my comments. There's no excuse sir. He knows that whistle has been blown. All right. So here's one for my short, why I don't watch the chosen, uh, from, uh, I'm not going to say that. I don't, Kent, Kentoad is the last name. Who cares what you think? I don't say you got religion. 
I don't say you got religious mindset, but rather a foolish mindset. So be at home, eat, sleep, and keep your stupid mouth shut, which I, I do need to go into my comments stuff. There are certain words that you can't say on my YouTube. I'm going to put stupid in there because there's no reason to talk about anyone's intellect. Um, all right. So this is what I'm allowed to do guys. So from now on, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to be at home, I'm not allowed to go outside according to this person, which, you know, it's negative 20 out today. So I'll, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll do that today. Be at home, eat. Okay. Sleep. Okay. And keep my mouth shut. Well, I kind of open my mouth to eat, but you know, whatever. Into the penalty box. Next up. Oh, this one's fun. Uh, so this is my, please stop listening to Francis Chan because it's so confusing on Roman Catholicism. Uh, and interest arc, which like is, does that mean that you're interested in arcs? Like, is like, this is, this is my one interest in his arcs. Is this Ken Ham? Uh, but please stop making YouTube videos. Okay. <laughs> like you finally convinced me. That was so, that was uh, so well thought out. What a, what a great argument you gave. And so, yes, now, now I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop making YouTube videos just because you asked me, maybe I'll be interested in arcs. <laughs> Uh, all right. That, that's all I got. Oh, a big announcement. I forgot. I got announcements. You're not going to like this announcement, guys. You're not going to like it at all. There won't be underdog theology for the next two weeks. Oh, snap. I know. Like, especially like momentum going on the YouTube channel. I was, I was listening to a podcast, uh, this last week and they were talking about, uh, the wisdom of having seasons like a season one for your podcast, season two for your podcast. Oh, someone disliked it. Was that someone who hate watches me? Well, all right. Thanks for being here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or maybe you just disliked because I'm not doing a, not doing a show next week. Um, but I was watching something about the wisdom of having little breaks in between different seasons. And I realized, uh, what is this episode 72? of season one. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that, you know, it's, it's about time for a little bit of a, a break so we could do season two of underdog theology after 72 episodes. This is a pretty long season one. Um, but you know, for the vast majority of my stuff on YouTube, I've been going like real hard. Uh, and, uh, I need a little bit of time. I need a little bit of time. You know, we did this fundraiser and we've gotten a lot of cool stuff going on with the channel and I want to use it well. And I also want to do some creative things about changing some things up on the channel, having more segments, being able to put out more shorts and uh, be able to have some more illustration stuff going on. Uh, some animations, not illustrations, animations going with the channel. And, uh, you know, I think I just need a little bit of a break from the Monday show. So I'll probably still be doing some videos, some random videos throughout the weeks, uh, like this, this coming week and next week, I'll probably still have a couple videos. So I'm not like gone or anything, but as far as a Monday show, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be pulling the plug on it for a couple weeks and then, then we'll restart it. 
we're so uh, let me let me look at the calendar. I should have had this pulled up, um, but we're going to take a little bit of a break, and then April third, April third, we'll be back for Underdog Theology season two, and maybe we'll have a little things will look a little bit different. And probably not that different, but there are going to be some improvements to the show that I'm going to be trying to work on and figure out how to do. And I just need time to do it. And also just to not have the pressure of like, oh, I need to do the show on Monday. Uh, it does take me time. I know some of you guys are like, oh, he wings it every week. And some, day, some weeks I do. But a lot of weeks I put some real effort into this thing. And uh, so I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break, a two week break. And then we'll be back for Underdog Theology Season 2. And if you're sad about that, hey, I've got 72 episodes <laughs> you can go back and watch on the Monday. <laughs> like there are there are episodes of Underdog Theology back when it was Theo Live or the Olive for the 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 people that have been around for a long time, the OGs. Um, but uh, there there are episodes of that that only have like 120 views. So if you're like, oh man, I need Underdog Theology go back and listen or watch one of the old episodes. There's tons of them. And I think you would be, you know, benefited because after all, I'm so wise and, uh, you know, everything I do is so valuable. You know, some of these videos, you'd probably be like, this is dumb. I'm not going to watch it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Not everything I do is great, <laughs> but, but you could go back and watch one of those if you're really, really desperate for some more underdog theology, but hit the like button here before you know you go off and watch something else over maybe something brand new maybe you'll go watch one of the old episodes i don't know uh, but hit the like button if you're new to the channel think about subscribing if you're one of the hate watchers see you later uh thanks thanks for thanks for the views i guess uh and i will see you on april 3rd for season two of underdog theology